Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Thinker Girls Pod channel. I'm Stacey June. And I'm Christy Mercer. Oh, welcome to the channel where you will hear lots of different shows right across the week. And you've landed in the right place to do that. Click subscribe and they'll just rock up on your phone. Do people listen to shit on laptops or what? Wouldn't yeah, have thought so. It's an option on the website if you are one of those people. Or, or on your uh, iPad if you're kicking around with one of those. A tablet. Oh, God. It's large. <laughs> I feel like phones are not that far off those mini tablets and a big iPhone are basically the same thing these days anyway. They are not. Um, Also, big week this week because our 411 podcast, which is the episode uh, of the week where we chat about things that are going on that other people are talking about in the news, pop culture stuff, Mm -hmm. that we're interested in, we kick off this week, the 411 being all about Batchy because the new season launches this week and we've launched a whole series of live shows which we're super excited about at The Sheaf. If mm-hmm. you are from Sydney, come with us because that's what everybody wants to do, have a chinwag about what's going on and who characters are, especially when the Brett, you know, the you know, even one of my mates, he's like, come around and watch the first season. I'm like, sorry, Dal, we're doing our own event. Like, so, here yeah. I am competing with your event in your lounge room. Well, the idea is you come watch it with mates at the pub, which will be at the Sheaf and Double Bay. We'll watch the episode with you, host the night, and then we will be recording a 411 live. So you can meet us, we'll say hello, um, and you'll be able to see how we record our podcast. Also, it's just going to be good fun. Yeah, and if you're not in Sydney, we will be recording that podcast as per usual 411 that you can catch each and every week, talking batchy debris stuff right yep. across the season because yep. we love it sick. And if you're not so into it, well, no, you love it sick. I, I, love, it. I love it sick. I'm more interested. I'll be interested to see by the seventh or eighth week how I'm going. You'll want, do- you want to discuss deeper themes. Well, I'm going to be looking at anything because this guy sounds like a flog, to be honest. So it'll be an interesting thing. So Get if you out. if you He's, aren't into the batchy, oh. I'm representing you guys. Right, okay. So I'm going to keep it as real as I can. Let's introduce this week because, yes, we've got the big – lots of big things. Mm. Big is the key word, yeah? Yeah, we've got um, a very big week all dedicated to our very first attempt at conversations around motherhood yeah it's true the thinker girls are growing up oh my god it is true and it's funny because there's been a couple of podcasts that we've had where these particular topics have come up and and one of us in particular has been approaching these interviews with a very different glance and when you say one of of us you're talking about yourself that's right so that's right so this week is all about uh mums and working and and doing it in a millennial way and figuring out how to go about it Jamila Ritzvi joins on the show she was I guess the inspiration behind this she's written a book called motherhood that have 
all different uh, Australian personalities talk about what they wish they had have known in the very first few months of, of uh, having a baby. And the cool through line about all those stories is nobody really knows what the F they're doing. Everybody does it very differently and that's, I don't know, that's kind of a, a cool way of looking at things for us as we kind of step into this space where a lot of people around us are thinking about having kids, you in particular. That's right. And Rachel Finch also joins us on the show who talks about being a fairly young mum with a young family and how she integrates her family into her career and she's doing it She's doing it in a different way. She's approaching it the way she, she wants to approach her life and, and just because she had her kids didn't mean that she kind of addressed or, or looked into changing her life because of that. So that's a really interesting chat that we'll put up later in the week. But today's chat is about the fact that uh, I think a lot of you would have followed, um, I guess, our journey, but in particular, my journey of wanting to have a baby. And um, and I'm very nervous talking about this. I have kept this um, very, very private and very personal for um, the majority of this year. Um because when I think about it, um, it has been a very big journey. I've always wanted to be a mum and I've always wanted to have a baby. And on the show, even on uh, the radio show when I was single, um, we would speak about and do different activities and things and ridiculous things to make me feel like I was pregnant. It's just so fucking hilarious to think about. Remember we hooked, um, you, we hooked you up to that machine where... It, that was just cruel. That was full <laughs> on where you cried live on the radio show because we'd hook Stacey up to this contraction machine mm. that we stuck these things on her tummy <laughs> to give her the pain of what it feels like to be going through labour because I was like, hey, we want to do a good thing here. I know you really want to have a kid but also maybe these are some of the realities. But at the end of that, like, and even before I, way, way before I knew you, you said you would be bloated, which, I mean, is a bit dark because it harks back to maybe some endo, endometriosis symptoms that were not uh, known at that point in time, but you, how your tummy would bloat. And you said you would walk around and rub your stomach and and think about how one day, not not if, but when you're a mum. That's right. So it's safe to say, and if you've known me for a long time, that has always been in my plans. There's lots of women that say, I'm not really sure if I ever felt that or I didn't have the maternal kick. You know, some of my best mates have kind of said, I don't know, will that come or blah, blah, blah. Uh, for me, it's always been very prevalent. So when I met Ben, uh, my partner, it was um, a very big part of the conversation quite early on about a family and children. And one thing that I also haven't shared with you guys uh, is that in Ben's late 30s, he was diagnosed with prostate cancer, which means that um, there were a lot of operations and surgeries and different things that he had to go through. Um, and one of them being that his sperm would all be frozen. And so the early conversations that we were having, as you all witnessed this beautiful relationship blossoming and looking, you know, pretty fun on the outside, we dug deep pretty quickly because... So can, so can, I, can you explain to everybody how far into your relationship you've, you Well, before we had sex. So Ben was very, very open to me about okay. the fact that if we wanted to have children, we could, we could definitely try to have children, but we wouldn't be able to conceive naturally. And, and look, to be honest even saying the words out loud and talking about it as a story and, and saying these kinds of things. I've been very in it and it's been very much my life and and you don't really think of it as a story because it is your life and I kept it very, very personal so it, I could really kind of keep focused on the important things and the most important thing is about 
as how our relationship was going to evolve and, and how we were going to to tackle something that was um, not as common as I knew. It's obviously very much more common now having gone through it. But, um, but yeah, it was something that we or I decided to keep very private. And it never, ever changed any way that I felt about Ben. And, and early days, it, I surprised myself with how much it became. It was a very non-issue because I knew he was the father of my children. So... Um, yeah, if we kind of, that was fine. And we knew that we would get through that. And for all I knew, six months before I met him, I hadn't even met anyone that could give me children. So it was just so exciting to have met the father of my kids and, and however we were going to go about that um, was just what was meant to be. I remember that time. Because I was very, very, yeah, very clear on that. Which I remember yeah. that time. I remember your determination. Every time I'd see, yeah, it, it was just like... There was not any other way. There was no any. There was not an option. Like the way that you would describe things and be like, yeah. So anyway, this is the way we're going to go about things, and you know, blah blah blah. And it was almost. I feel like from you, it was more of a you having to convince him that everything's going to be fine. Yeah, that could have been a fair observation. from the outer. That's yeah. that's what I. I just got this real kind of sense from you that it was kind of a bit written, and you're my person, so. How are we going to tackle this together? Well, it's it interesting was never because a you bef- and me thing. Yeah, and before you meet someone, before I'd met my person, and I hate you know I hate to use the one word, but other people would say the one. I didn't quite understand how it worked because you live so singly, even when you're in relationships. I still think those relationships are very different to the way you approach life once you meet the actual person, and. I always, even in past relationships, had felt this single or in past relationships, mm. had always approached, I guess, the idea of meeting someone and you would still feel very singular. Do you know what I mean? Like you still, you couldn't quite understand. But when I met Ben, and as as difficult as that, I guess, on the outside, would have it would have presented like it was a difficult time, I didn't see it difficult because Ben was very clearly my person. Mm. So I all of a sudden took it on like, okay, well, that's now my story. Yeah. It just was very simple. Yeah, that's what um, I mean by when you're like, okay, well, how are we going to, yeah, you know, how are yeah. we going to do this or what what does this mean for us or yeah. where, where are we going next? Yeah, and so um, that was – and it's, towards the end of last year I became quite, um, quite – I guess, inquisitive as to what the process would be. Uh, we'd been together for a, just under a year at that point and, and he'd obviously gone through his own treatment and that's his kind of story. So I'm going to stay a little bit away from that. Um, but essentially I was starting to get quite intrigued because I hadn't been through with him through that time. So obviously we were going to have to approach all of these things and at the end of the day, the person that is really having to approach a lot of it is me. And funnily enough, I set out, with you know pretty much perfect fertility for my age my endometriosis hadn't affected any of my insides there was no endo in any of my tubes um I had a fairly good egg count you know I was looking pretty 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 a plus I must say Mm Merce in terms of the baby department (laughs) which is great um and but I but obviously with the the situation sperm isn't getting in me so um we approached the different options and did a lot of tests around how my fertility was landing and, and sitting and, and we found we all had some pretty good results. There was a few little a little surgery I had to have to get a cyst out, but that was about it. So then we decided that um, we would try the most 
uh, I suppose, is it uninvasive? Is that a word? Uninvasive? I think so. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, fertility treatment, which for us was IUI. And what's that, what's that just to for? give you a bit of a, oh, God, Merce. Oh, mate, I, well, I don't in know. In vitro uterine. Oh, okay. Which is not Can to you be look confi- it up just so people okay. know, Okay, but actually. that's not to be confused with IVF. That's right. Is it? So because- before I get to that point, and just for those of you listening, so you can kind of get a bit of a time lapse here, I was in the fertility appointment with Ben to try to find out our options for the very first time in late November or about November last year, the same day we were fired. Oh my god. That's Did I where know that? I was. Yes, but you were going through your own stuff. You were I, I moved was, house I, that day. I think. Yeah, I came to your house after the fertility appointment. But oh I had god. had that appointment yeah, that's that, right, morning. that morning. God, what a full on Oh anyway, so then by about oh, do you want to tell everyone what that yeah. means? In intruine insemination. Okay, right. Yeah, good eye. Intro. Yeah, well, we've got to get the fact. It says that IUI is a fertility treatment that involves placing sperm inside a woman's uterus. Yes, yes, yes. So in about, I don't know, we got engaged at the end of the year and in about March I said to Ben, oh, well, we might as well give it a go. Like... I don't know how long this is going to take. And it, by it, you mean have a baby. Well, yeah. (laughs) Just clarifying for y'all. That's how I approached it. You watched me. I was like, we both want to have kids and I have no idea how long this is going to take. So it's just the same as a couple starting. This is the hard thing with us. It essentially should be the same as you just starting to not use condoms and see what happens. That's mm. most couples that are thinking about starting to conceive will go, let's just stop using protection and then we'll see where we land. And for some people it might happen really quickly and for other people it might take a really long time. But the problem is we couldn't do that. We had to go in and have tests, ovulation tracking and make appointments with doctors. It's a very different process for us. So when I say let's get it done, I mean let's press go on a very, very invasive and personal and difficult kind of approach but that's why I approached it like that because I was like let's give this a go let's just get on with it like this is the way we have to do it no we can't have sex and then see what happens on a day that your ovulation's tracked you know on a on an app on your phone and then you might go to a doctor if you're lucky to get pregnant we had to go to 48,000 appointments and, and it was just a very different journey for us so because we had to do that it was almost like I was like can we just have a go at this like because who knows what we're gonna get what what to expect I got no idea but we were ready for a baby but hey, are you thinking that but like do they give you odds I know it's not the casino but are they like there's a one in 100 ch- like what are the there is statistics which I'll let you look up yourself oh, there's okay. so many different there I mean from a person that has been through this process and has look, has read forums and articles. There's just so much different information and I don't want this podcast to be a, about that today. I just don't think I could even, you know, I don't know. There's just different statistics, different years depending on what you're doing, different statistics if you take the hormones when you do IUI. It's so – I hear podcasts and sometimes I'm like, that's not true because that's true to your experience. But it's a pretty unlikely thing that you would go and be like – Yay. That Correct. Yeah. It's under 20% mostly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I was looking pretty healthy and my fertility count and all those kinds of tests were coming through. But at the same time, I kind of thought we'd give four goes of IUI, see how we go before we then have to think about IVF. Okay. Yep. That's where my head was at. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, 
you have to go into the place, you get ovulation tracking, which means you get blood tests kind of every single day for like 10 days leading into when they think you ovulate. Uh, Not to mention all the tests and things that I had from November to March in this time. And also just to give you a perspective, it wasn't doing so well. You know, we'd been fired and we'd started this channel, but there'd been some kind of tough times. But this was essentially, I don't know, I looked at it as the the good part of my life, like the fun part. Like I'd found my man. I'm just so gagging to have kids with him. Let's just kind of rewrite this and have a, have a crack. So we did that. We found out the day we were ovulated. You go in and they call you that morning. You're like the days around it. They're like, okay, it could be Sunday. It could be Friday. But they basically track your ovulation down to almost the hour. Like half day. They're when like, your eggs are coming down. Yes, when tubes. you are ovulating and you're <laughs> oh ready for the sperm to meet. My this God. is why you pay the big bucks for it. It's not as expensive as IVF, but it's still a lot of money. If you go private, it costs you like, you know, between two and four grand. Jesus. And you go in and they'll call you and they said to me on Friday, okay, you're getting pretty close because they test your, um, your bloods and and they try and see different levels of where you are and it changes according to where you are in your cycle. So without getting too technical, so they mine was starting to look like they were getting closer to ovulation on about the Friday. We I went again on the Saturday morning, nothing yet. They said, oh, let's have a go on the Monday. Went in the Monday, so it's probably going to be tomorrow. So you just are like, fuck, ready to basically get impregnated. Then Monday to about, I guess, midday, they called me and they said, you're on, come back in. Oh 11 a.m. And they said, we need you back in by two. The second time. For the day the you get pregnant, day. the yeah, day right. you try. And let's just remember, Ben's sperm's never been in me. I mean, I don't want to go into too much detail. He's very, he can still do what he needs to do in the bedroom. Just nothing's coming out. Oh, that's stunning. I mean, that's one upside, isn't it? Let's be honest. Uh, very good. <laughs> I'm Let's so just into saying. It's very, very clean. Yeah, very it. good. He's anyway. generally, gen, like, generally quite a clean person. And this just confirms it. <laughs> anyway, um, so we went in. Uh, we did all of our approach to it. Ben touched the tube. We asked to put his energy on there. They were so excited. The scientist was so lovely. She said, we've defrosted some sperm. It is a really full-on process, which I guess I am looking into different ways of how we might tell this story a little bit more elaborate um but because there's just so many elements and for those of you that aren't looking to get pregnant or whatever it's probably not that interesting but if you are a person looking to get pregnant you want all of the info which i did um but i won't go into all those details today um but essentially you go in and you know it's basically a turkey baster except with a lot of medical people in there and they um they defrost the sperm ben's sperm's been frozen for years and they essentially, um, you know, then put it inside you. You can watch in the little computer. You can watch it be squirted in there. And we asked for Ben to hold it so he could just kind of put his energy behind it and just let his little swimmers get right up there, Merce. So, <laughs> so, and it was the fucking best day. It was the best day. There was music on and the doctors were awesome and we were so excited and we came home and had sex because we've read that, you know, if I orgasm, like you get things moving and, and he had the rest of the day off and we just were we were we were just so excited. Wow. Oh my god. And it was it was so fun. We made it our own and it was and I will and I will never change it. It was the first day that you know essentially um a couple of weeks later you get a blood test and um and I felt preg- I I felt pregnant. I didn't say to anybody, but I felt very positive. And I didn't know that I felt that, but I felt very positive. Like I just felt, I just was having a good time. Like it just all felt really good. And um, 
a couple of weeks after you get the blood test, I think it was like maybe two and a bit weeks, but I was in the chemist and it was like, and I'd never had a pregnancy test because I've told you I've never been pregnant. I, I never went through that or, you know, I never had to get rid of a baby or ha- I had maybe one scare in all of my life of being sexually active. Oh, God. I know. I've, I've just value pack upon value pack. Yeah, no. Nah. Some freak outs. And so I looked at the latest and they were like, you can find out if you're pregnant seven days before your period. Mm. Like, And I was like, holy shit, seven days. Jeez. So then I bought it. And Are you they, not supposed to? Well, do they that? say don't, don't, accurate, yeah, yeah, yeah. Blah, blah. But they also say, which I found out later, was if you if your lines come up, you can't get a fake positive. You can get a fake negative, yeah, uh, but you yeah. can't get a fake positive because if you've got the pregnancy hormone in you, you're it's pregnant. In your urine. That's yeah, right. Yeah. But it's early days, so a lot of people might go away or something happens. It's very, very. It's like hour by hour at this point with and the how, sensitivity. And how are you feeling at that point? Like. Every time I would be walking past a chemist, as you say, you're excitable, you're feeling good. Are you having to almost hold yourself back from going into every chemist that you go past to buy a pregnancy no, test? No, no, because like I said, we just kind of gave it a crack. Like it was exactly the same as you would if you were like, I'm not really sure if I want a baby this second, but I'm going to just stop doing condoms. And if we end up pregnant, then great. But we're not, we're not desperate for it yet. Like we know there's okay. time. It was kind of like that. So... And we were just, we were doing our own thing. I was really unsure about what was happening with my career. You know, I just was kind of, we did it as a, as a, let's have a try, but it wasn't really anything that we, we kind of banked on, I suppose. And so, but when I did see it, cause I had to go get that weird asthma puffer, remember? And I was oh, like, yeah, I remember that when you had your yeah, that one week cough. of asthma. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, as I was waiting for that, because I'm never in the chemist unless I have to get dry shampoo on an emergency. <laughs> I, and I'm not, that's the only time yeah. I saw this test. So I got it. And then the test was, we could get the test on the Wednesday. This was Sunday. And I got it about a week before because it said you'd get a week before. And I thought, no, the accuracy went ridiculously high three days before. So in the back of my mind, I didn't tell anyone. I told Ben I bought it. And it was on the kitchen table. I I think remember you saw it, it yeah. and it was unopened yeah and I was like yeah oh, okay and so on the Sunday it was within that three days because yeah. I ha- would have been impregnated Monday so it was one day before essentially and I did the test on a Sunday afternoon just before Ben's best mate came over and two lines came straight up I was pregnant talk to me about that feeling like when you saw the two lines like, what's your brain? Are you like... I still feel happy. Yeah. And safe to say, to cut a long story short, um, I then miscarried at... Um, it would have ended up being at 11 and a half weeks. But the really sad part about this was when we went first to get our, our first scan, which is where you hear a heartbeat or you hope to hear a heartbeat... Um, and it's much earlier for people that do fertility treatment. They just watch you a little bit closer. Yeah. Um, ours was at about just before eight weeks. We we didn't have a heartbeat. Um, and I really wanted to tell the story leading into the pregnancy because I feel like you jump straight to the miscarriage and it's this. Mm. And you miss that bit. Mm-hmm. I don't get to tell that bit much. Well, the good thing is it happened. Yeah. It was nice to have the impregnant part and it was nice to fall pregnant and it was nice to feel pregnant and be excited by that and Ben and I were so excited and 
And I just think sometimes with miscarriage stuff, because there's so much grief and it is very, very, very sad and very, very hard. And it changes you. And because it does all that stuff, often that part of the story is not told. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's why I wanted to share that part too, because... What's all part of the story? Yeah, and I think that part is, you know, it's so early, so often you're not telling everybody. Like a lot of people did know because of the way we had to go about it. Mm. Obviously my testing and things started so much earlier than just a quick fuck. Do you know what I mean? Like it was like months in the planning Mm -hmm. for just to have a go. Um, But the heartbeat, look, I think the greatest thing that I've learned from this experience was I already had a good idea of who I was in my body and that trust of instinct but there is nothing that will put it to the test like a person that can see life or death literally happening in their life. And what do you what do you mean by that? That trust of in, and that um, instinct. About a week before I I felt I stopped feeling pregnant. And can you put that into words or um, not really? Well, it can be pretty physical. Like my boobs just stopped hurting as much, and I felt less nauseous. But also my mind changed. So all of a sudden I turned a bit scared. Like I, like it was the very first time about on the Friday, I found out I think on the a week after. So it was exactly a week before or maybe the Wednesday I found out. The Wednesday I found out. So on the Friday before, I, I started to be like, oh, how am I going to work out this with work? Whereas like, before that point, were you frightened at all? Not at all. Like I was like, and I'd said to you, we will make this work. Yeah. You know, this is what I want. If things are supposed to work career-wise or otherwise, they will fall around this. Like we, we're not going to be these women that fall into this category of freaking out about having children in careers like I just don't want to be that and I've had such inspirational women around me my best mate particularly big shout out to her who's just been so integral and inspiring to watch the way she's kind of gracefully demanded support you know not and I'm not meaning support by picking up the kids just in an understanding that this is these are my choices and I'm the only one that can have this baby. So, and I'm very good at what I do. They end like they mm. just have to work, mm-hmm. and and so yeah, it's just I, I. So I was very keen to kind of mirror that and and really focus. So yeah, no, I hadn't thought that until that point, and I and I knew that was weird. And I thought, well, maybe eventually you get a bit scared. And I thought it was just that. And then I started to feel different. And and I Facetimed some friends overseas who were quite fuck-eyed <laughs> and they were ecstatic about the baby mm. and I'd, t- I'd already and told had you them had that feeling at that point the scared I did on the Friday feeling? yeah and I'm and I FaceTimed them on the Sunday and they were so ecstatic saying I can't believe you have a little baby in you and whatever and Merce I gotta tell you I just I kind of I there was something in me that was like I, I didn't feel that spark I wasn't like yeah there is something had gone Something had gone. But at that point, what do you like? Because that's how you're feeling. I didn't know at the time. But that's but, how you're feeling emotionally, right? And you're yeah. feeling in your body. Yeah. But what's your brain telling you at that point? Are you're not you going, thinking anything. You're not thinking anything. You, I knew the scam dismi- was coming up, but. But I, are you dismissing those feelings? Are you going, you don't, don't attract it? Don't no, ma- no, they, you don't think that you're, they're not conscious until you okay. look back. You don't, okay. you don't really. And that's what I mean by intuition. Now I look back. I don't know if you can look at them in the moment, but I do look back and go, wow, how powerful are we? Because 
honestly, the day before we had the scan, I had a panic attack in the cab on the way back from Sunrise for no reason. And then the Wednesday was the day we found out we had no heartbeat. So look, for a lot of people, heartbeat, no heartbeat early days isn't such a bad thing. Sometimes they can get the dates wrong. Sometimes they can maybe have done the scan too early or maybe you're earlier in your pregnancy and, and the bubby hasn't been able to grow a heartbeat yet. And that's what the scan person tried to tell us. But I knew... To give you hope that maybe yes, it's we, not Yes, because we over. went back for another one. And yeah. she even went down to the point where she said, this happened to me. Mm. And I said, what are the percentages of it actually having a heart? She said 50-50 which I think she was very mistaken to do because if she had have looked at our file, she would have seen that, you know, that is for couples that potentially have sex and get a bit confused as to when the actual impregnant, like in the actual insertion happened. Whereas for us, we could tell you the date and the time because we did IUI. So it was very considered and deliberate and we knew the exact time. So there's no way our dates could have been out because of the way we fell pregnant. So... So we had to go back for another scan and then I had to wait. I, I decided to wait to see if it would if, if I would be able to miscarry naturally and I didn't. So I had to go in. I made the decision that I couldn't get go beyond 12 weeks. So just before 12 weeks, I made the decision to go and get um, the, D and, the DNC, which is a procedure very similar, you know, to what you do yeah. if you're trying to get rid of a baby yourself voluntarily. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Talk to me about um, that time when you had gone back for that, the first scan, as you said, you're knowing in your gut that maybe this is not the news, you know, like mm. that it's a, not over, but that you're not wanting to get your hopes up too much because there's something in you that's telling you that mm. the spark's gone. Mm. When you say to, I think this is a part of, of miscarriage and pregnancy that as somebody that, I mean, I've got one, two mates that have babies, but. You know, I haven't got friends like you that I'm mega close with that I've been with through the journey of trying, 
like my mates kind of just fell pregnant at the mm. end, you know. Mm. And a lot of them won't tell you yeah. about this part. And too. not a lot of people like you. I mean, I know mums had a miscarriage. I remember her telling me when I was a kid and I know lots of women, you know, a lot of women do. But I suppose the logistics around even when you say to miscarry naturally. Well, you have to wait. That's so n- you've, yeah that's, sen- n- yeah. that's not a part of miscarriage. Everyone's just like, oh, that's so awful. But then logistically. It was I- horrific for me because I, I knew I had a baby that was, or a pregnancy that was non-progressive. And I had to wait for that to leave my body. And it was almost a month until it did. So it was it was horrific. Um, yeah, there's nothing else to say. And the grief, the grief, oh, I had no idea what, kind, what that kind of grief would look like. In fact, I thought that I would grieve and it would be gone. And I remember I said this on the podcast a few weeks ago, but... I've never understood that grief to this level or to any real level when it's really something very close to you. I, again, was quite naive or I'd never experienced it. So you think if you haven't met this little being that was barely a little prawn size that there's no way I could possibly compare that kind of grief to, say, my best mate losing her mom or, you know, I, I just kind of thought there will be grief and I don't want to say there's not. But I just thought, my goodness, there's I, I, that that couldn't possibly be the same I don't have I don't have a song that we have in common or I don't have um, a birth you know a birthday to remember or I don't have this private joke that I shared with them you know so I just couldn't compare this grief to be similar to grief of people that have been living because you don't know them yet but fuck me dead it was that and then some it was and I think in some ways it's harder because you don't have that and you almost feel like you can't grieve because you don't have that and and I was in I was incredibly incredibly smacked in the face with shock of the amount of grief that followed it is horrendous and if you and you know if you are going through this or you have gone through this like I'm I'm I stand by you. It is a it is a secret club. And it is it's not stuff you can really put into words. You cannot explain that grief. You cannot explain the grief of an unborn child. Or your hopes and I stayed pretty um yeah, pretty like we had this little being until 11 weeks and it grew up until about I think eight and a half, nine. I was very like about that. I wasn't kind of thinking, imagine it's 10th birthday. And if that was you, that's fine. But for me, I, I really tried to contain it mm-hmm. and it didn't change it. Mm-hmm. Didn't change it at all. I didn't, I don't really have a name or I didn't go through that process. And, and all I can say is I am, I'm so grateful I'm a spiritual person because I do believe in reincarnation. I do believe we're all here for a reason. I do believe that potentially... I may see I may see this little being again or perhaps this little being only had to be here for you know 12 weeks. I I can't I don't know the answers to that bit yet, but I know that it isn't my fault and I know that there's something bigger going on than me and I I am grateful every day that I have a sense of spirit because without that I don't know how you sit alone with that kind of pain. I had something bigger to look at something bigger that was beyond me to believe in. And if if you didn't have that belief, then that is that is a dark place I wouldn't wish upon anybody. <sighs> no. So 
yeah that's I guess a story and 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 I and we are enjoying being newly married and we will try again at some point um, but we are going to just enjoy and focus on our, our early marriage for now and just have a good mm-hmm. time with that and and still heal a little bit from from those wounds because um yeah like I said it can smack you in the face any day really catches you and it's very different and I'll talk about this on another show but it is also very different it's a very different grief you experience to your partner and that is also Mm. something incredibly straining to put on your relationship and Ben and I it has been very early days for us to go through you know moving in getting engaged one of us getting fired you know merging income and then falling pregnant first go which is a beautiful miracle and then losing that baby and then get getting married like it's been intense um so, so the it's first time his sperm's ever been in you you fell pregnant yeah that's crazy it's magic and that is ben and i mm. i do believe that that was a good thing and i believe my my body wasn't used to being pregnant and it, it needed to have a bit of a practice and i I have, you know, I have, I know that we'll find our baby. Um, I have full faith in that, in whichever capacity that happens. But, um, yeah, just need a bit of a time to enjoy each other and and just kind of get ourselves back on track, I guess. I suppose it's interesting, like you said a couple of weeks ago on the podcast when we, you know, going back to that grief conversation and I think something that um, you said that really stuck with me was speaking about grief is not this it's not this stage where mm. you're like, oh, well, I think it was like, how long does it take to grieve a breakup? And you were like, well, is there a t- is there an end date to any form of grief? Losing someone, a miscarriage, a family member, some kind of physical trauma. And And I, you know, I don't want to speak on behalf of you, but I feel like, I don't know, do you feel like there is this pressure to you know, to heal fully or like a little to bit. bounce for, back. Or for like, a miscarriage, right, yes, because I feel go. like, well, because, yeah, for two reasons, exactly that. Yeah. For the fact that we can't, it wasn't here with us, so it's very hard to share that grief with people and, you know, you've got your partner, but again, it is a very different experience. And then, yeah, the other one is you can get, you can have another go. You know, even the amount of people that said people that miscarry, because it is very, very, very common. So a lot of people were saying to me, give it another go because apparently you're more fertile. All of these were kind of, it's here or there, here or there, you know, like a lot of my fertility were like, yeah, look, it's a bit of this, a bit of that. Like it really is just going to be about what's best for you. And I know that sounds cliche, and but a lot of people were saying, you know, go again, go again. And and we could have, we had time before we were going to New York to go again. I looked at Ben and I was like, what are you? And we were just like, nah, Mm. we need some time. Mm. Even if it means I'm more fit, I don't care. Like it's mm. not. No, we don't. We for us, we don't need to. We're we're early stages in our relate, and you know, fathers, it might be that's what I need to do. I need to keep rolling because now's the time. We've made a decision for yeah. us. We weren't even really sure we would fall pregnant, so we have. We've got a little bit, a little bit more time, I think. But yeah, so I think this week, as we go through the motherhood stories, and we talk to Jamila about how you know interesting it was she fell pregnant and didn't mean to so what that how that affected her and and Rachel about how she integrates motherhood in a really different twist we wanted to be able to share our first lot of experience that we've shared with motherhood through me and my um my now 
early stages of of trying to have a baby and and the fact that their stories are very beautiful and, and they've got children and they're happy but there is this story too in this mm. in this um in this in this part but that's and part that is part of motherhood week that's because right because you are and, and you are a mum yeah you had life inside of you yeah. and that's what being a mum is yeah and and you feel like it too yeah you've changed and and I haven't thought too strongly about the last probably month or so because I've been very focused on getting married and tried to just, I don't know, just give myself a bit of a break. It's it's very painful. But at the same time, it's a part of me and it's it makes you, God, <laughs> there's no wonder men are worried about feminism because <laughs> I'm like... We could fucking take over the world. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Honestly, I, like, and I haven't even given birth or done any of that, but in the absolute early taste that I've had, I'm like, wow, I thought I was pretty powerful before. Yeah. Now, wait, now I've got these magical powers. It, it is pretty, pretty astonishing. And also, furthermore, it's pretty astonishing that we did fall pregnant on the very Magic. first attempt. Look, so lots, th- lots to be positive about. I think, yeah, it is cool this week to be looking at motherhood in different ways, shapes, forms, Mm. and, you know, exactly as you've been telling, like, and especially as Jamila's book is, all these different stories, it doesn't look one way. That's right. And one baby or mum doesn't look one way and one miscarriage doesn't look one way. Yeah. But I continually applaud your, um, your, not just, I feel like bravery is like a bit of a, I don't know, like an easy word to go to, but I think your bravery in doing everything your way. And I think, I don't know, giving yourself, I don't know, the space and time to process something and then come out the other side and realize that there's a real powerful message here because, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, what you do for a job. And I know our, our kind of line of work, it's a bit, it's different in Mm. that you might feel compelled to share everything straight away because it's mm. what you do and in a way maybe that's the way that you process things and, and heal things and maybe mm. in the past that's what we've done, mm. you know, because you're thinking about this bigger message or some good that you can get out of something so horrific. But I think you've done what you and you in and Ben in particular have always done You've just been your own little unit and, and and dealt and processed and given yourself the space to do what you guys need to do and make a really a right decision Yeah, and for it feels, you in a relationship yeah. and for you as a person and that's what I think is brave. And I thank you but I think for me really this, I think this, I am sharing this for someone else. Mm. This is probably the first time like... Yeah, often we do lots of things, but I um, I don't really have much reason other than sharing it for another person that might be struggling or has been through this. Because it's just something that's happened and it is incredibly personal and very hard to put into words to both of us, to Ben and I, it's personal. But mm. I do, I do wish I had have had more in front of me that, that I, I could have gone to. I felt very alone, mm. very, very alone. So, um, yeah, I hope that potentially this makes somebody feel a little less alone. I have no doubt it will. Yeah, I really yeah. do. Because, um, yeah, that's, I think that's why I wanted to share. Mm-hmm. But I had to wait till I was ready. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it is a very, 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 very lonely path. Um, so you aren't alone. It gets better. And 
grief doesn't end. I hope, I wish someone had told me that. And the grief for a miscarriage will be the same as a grief of someone incredibly substantial to you. Mm. In, you know, and so I also think it's important that people would be triggered around me, Merce. Like people that were thinking about having babies or whatever could almost not talk to me too. Look at it in the in the face. Look at miscarriage in the mirror. You know, stand up to it. It's, it, it. It is terrifying and it is very hard, but it is very common. And I didn't really think it would happen to me. Um, and I'm not saying that you want to go in focusing or fearful of it, but I do think we need to lift. And a lot of people are saying this more recently, but we do need to lift the curtain off it because it does need to come a little bit more mm. unified rather than so isolated when it's happening to so many of us. Even as somebody to be there as a mate trying to support and watch, like as you say, it is such a non-spoken about taboo kind of I don't want to say the wrong thing. So there were times where I was like I'm trying to lean in but I don't know how. Yeah. So if, if you're listening to this and you know someone that's going through or has gone through a miscarriage or you yourself you know you don't even have to do it in a public way where you tag him in a post maybe just send them a text or a link or give somebody just, the or heads even up. just flowers like yeah. i know that sounds a bit naff but it means that people don't necessarily need to write back like give something unconditional don't come in expecting a text back or you know expecting them to return your call or they just need to grieve how they will and if they want to call you after they get flowers or they get a letter or something that is really unconditional is the best thing because it is very, very, very personal and it's very hard to share. Like it's not easy. So just give love and don't have any expectations of anything in return. I think mm. that would be my suggestion for this one mm. um, because you sometimes you just don't want to talk about it. It's too It's too hard. It's too hard. Um, but, yeah, the rest of the week we will have different mothers on. Yeah. And Jamila is up tomorrow. Yep. Rachel Finch. Later in the week. And we're also going to have a bonus special across the weekend of Juliet Allen, who joined us as a sexologist, who talked about how you approach uh, your body when you aren't well or maybe you've miscarried or maybe you've got chronic pain or endometriosis because I asked her this question after miscarrying and we kept it mm-hmm. for this time and um, and it might help because sex and those kinds of things after these types of things are also a very difficult thing to approach. You feel like you've lost your body a little bit so um, we'll put that up later on in the week. Yep, it's a big week. Get around it. I'm so proud of you. Thanks, mate. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and we will also be live this week. Oh, shit. There's a lot going yeah, on. Yeah, at the Sheaf um, in Double Bay as Heaps. The Bachelor begins. So if you do want to come and bring your mates and watch the show and then listen to the 411 after, um, we'll put all the details up on socials. But um, take care, everyone. Bye, guys. Bye. love this podcast but you want to chat about it more make sure you go to the thinker girls on facebook uh, that's obviously us and insta because that's where we're going to be continuing this convo with you posse yes we want to know what you think posse so every week we'll be breaking down our podcast content across social media so you have an opportunity to share your opinions plus we're on insta stories every damn day so you get to come along with us for this crazy tg ride yeah merce head to facebook instagram snapchat or even twitter to find us 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 